Belgian Damien Jallet is a choreographer of performance for stage, screen and live art contexts. For many years, Damien created work with C.D. Labi Shikawi, co-creating Davon and Babel Words, on which I was dramaturg, and performed in Foix and other pieces. Damien has performed and choreographed for Les Ballets de la Bay, Sasha Waltz and Guests, Chunky Move, National Youth Dance Company of the UK, Paris Opera, Scottish Dance Theatre, his piece Yama, Iceland Dance Company, and many more. In 2013, with Shikari and Marina Abramovich, he created a new version of Ravel's Bolero for the Paris Opera Ballet. In 2016, he premiered through in Germany, in part as a way to process being caught up in the 2015 terrorist attacks in Paris. Through will be touring again in 2023. Damian is laureate of Villa Kujoyama in Kyoto, where he developed Vessel, a collaboration with the visual artist Kohei Nawa, about which they've produced a book. Sound design was by Ryuichi Sakamoto and Maruhiko Hara. Damian's show Skid for Gothenburg Opera Dance Company in Sweden will also be on tour again in the coming year. In 2018, Damian choreographed the remake Suspiria, an American-Italian horror film directed by Luca Guadagnino, and in the following year he choreographed the short Paul Thomas Anderson dance film Anima, starring Tom York and featuring music from York's solo album of the same name. Damian has also choreographed music videos for Florence and the Machine, editors and many more. You'll find performance dates, links, references and images for Damian's work on my website www.thecoad.org and of course on his damianjalet.com. Damian Jalet, thank you so much for joining me today. It is a real pleasure to see you. It's been a long time. Hello, Lou. So, Damian, you seem to have moved away from the dance theatre work of your early years into a choreographic world that has more, it seems, to do with visual arts and live art than it does with theatre as such, though, of course, it is still presented in theatres. And you've developed a, a profound relationship with ritual, particularly the rituals of volcanic islands such as Bali in Japan. And in fact, you've made a documentary, The Ferryman, with filmmaker Gilles Delmar about exactly that. Can you tell me why you moved away from what we might call dance theatre and what you think it is that you were drawn to in the concept of rituals and what that gives the choreographic work? I mean, I guess it all followed like a kind of a organic transformation. Um, I think... I was always very interested in rituals, like I, that's even nearly before I became, became a dancer, even like when I was still in uh, in theater school, which is because I studied with theater uh, directing studies uh, when I was 18. Uh, I was already taking class with, with Giovanna Marini, which was this ethno, who, who is this ethnomusicologist uh, from Italy. Um, that brought me to oral tradition singing. Um, like in Italy, mm. there's there's an oral tradition of polyphonies that had that is very ancient and it's quite unknown. Um, and I think already when I got in contact, I mean, she's she used she actually got to discover this part of Italy through Pier Paolo Pasolini, who who she got to know at the time in the sixties. And I remember going already back in the days in some place during Easter 
to see some very into attend some very spe special rituals or to find a song that would only be sung there at one time of the year. Um, and I think she definitely taught me a lot about that and about how rituals are always connected to a function um, and how, how music in that sense was always connected to a very specific um, situation, uh, whether it was, you know, the celebration of the light coming back at Easter or the, the song that you sing during the, the crops or like, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of varieties of, of songs that, that are always connected to a very specific action and function and ritual. So I guess I've all, all of the practice I developed since then has always been from that perspective that I think any contemporary creation is the kind of a ritual. I mean, the, the fact that going to a theater and, and attend a performance is somehow a kind of ritual as well. That also has a kind of a function. And that for me always is different from one project to another. So I guess, um, I mean, it's always, you know, the meetings you do, the, the way you get into the work, like I think I've done a lot with City Larvy, we've been developing a lot of works for, for kind of 10 years, uh, 10 or 12 years, where we really explore that. Uh, when I say that, it's like more dance theater. And, but at the time, we even were not so concerned even with the label of dance theater. I think we just like yeah. to play with whatever we had on the, like all the experience we had. I came from theater. So in a way, working in dance, going to dance, and then using the theatrical background, and it felt also very logical at the time. And um, also because as there, we could actually use uh, this very specific influence that I had with with, with polyphony and, and with music in general. Mm, which we so see in, in Foix and Davant. In Foix, yeah, in Davant, but also in Babel. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. all the things we've been doing, basically. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I guess, different experience like i i did in 2013 no it started already in 2011 i got invited in new york by uh, an artist that since then became a super close uh, artistic partner jim hodges um he was doing a show in new york <clears throat> um and at Gladstone gallery and he invited few artists to to come and invest this uh, installations that he had created and um and I came with Alexandra Gilbert who's like my first dancer like someone that that I created very, my very first solo for mm -hmm. and I had danced many duets with um and for like one week we kind of in we kind of dialogued with with his work and I mean he's coming from really from this uh he's an artist that really started working in New York in the 80s uh, in a time where AIDS was hitting massively, he lost a lot of friends. His work carries a lot of that um, trauma in a way. And I, I don't know. I feel that you could, through abstraction at the time, you could. I realized how much you could, you could say, and how much you could. I, I it felt like opening a new door, basically. Um, mm. And and I guess. I, I mean, everything for me, I, I always like to take though, I think every piece you do and every work you do is transformative. 
and it brings you always into another place of consciousness. So I always like to to naturally feel where are my desire at after each project. And when I feel I start getting into habits of formulas or whatever you can call it, I, I, I'd like to challenge that and to, I always love, I mean, that's also, I mean, everything is connected for me with also this desire of collaborate. If I collaborate with abstract artists, I'm not going to try to push them desperately into a code that is not theirs or like I I, I, I always try to sense what is the natural connection and depending the people I worked with, the work will take very different shapes and even different choreographic codes. And even in, in the work I do right now, it's like, even though there is an influence about certain rituals or about or from contemporary art, but also when we did Babel together, like I remember I insisted greatly that we, because Darby had collaborated a lot with Anthony Gormley, and I, I thought it would be really a good idea to have him that specific work. And the same, we went into... You could label Babel as dance theatre, but it was also like a moving sculpture, literally. Yeah, it's actually the synthesis of both, really, isn't it? Yeah. So in a way, I just kept on pushing certain aspects that were already in the work. And then to just say, like, I guess also a very important step for me when, when I did my very very first big installation, which was in, in Louvre Museum, uh, we, for like basically three nights, were invited to invest many of the rooms of Louvre Museum and to create a kind of... A, choreographic parkour um, and I I decided to, to bring certain existing excerpts from pieces that I have done um, and to create new ones and basically it was like something like nine different performances that would be performing in a loop uh, for two hours <clears throat> and I liked already the sense of that was also the time we started working with with Marina Abramovich on Boleros, which had a great influence on me to also hear her point of view about performing art and and how the body can also be uh, how you can also go to something extremely um, conceptual and and also very much the the sense of performance also and and of um, exploring both physical, mental limits, all of these kind of, you know, it's at, at the end what you do is always a conjunction of so many influences that you are getting at this point. And basically, naturally, I started wondering and, and being interested in the relationship between dance and sculpture, following what I started developing with Jim and then, and then also realizing how much dance and sculpture have how opposite they are, but also how, how much comments they have as well. Um, so that le led me to work then later with Nawa Kohei or to, and to continue working with Jim and all these conversations we had, all these travels I did also sometimes for work and kept on, on inspiring and developing my work. And so my connection with rituals that was already very that I can really relate to the very beginning of my parkour. Um, I, I kept on exploring uh, different aspects of it, and especially from the aspect of dance also. And that came, I think, in 2012. I mean, I developed a very strong relationship with Japan, but at the beginning, I was not so much aware of what was happening there. But I think in 2012, I went in Indonesia, <clears throat> and I got 
I knew I was already connected very much to Iceland and to Japan. And when I went in Indonesia and, and, and I discovered, for example, old dancing culture in, in Bali and, and also in Jakarta, like there, there was, it was a huge shock for me because I felt how, how this haunting feeling, the sense of possession of trance, um, the way of ritualizing basically constantly everything and to always try to create a connection through the body with the invisible surroundings. And I, I didn't, I only figure out my interest about volcanic islands when suddenly I felt again the same quicking heartbeat in my chest. When I got there, I felt, oh my God, there's something here. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And then I realized, oh, but wait, you, you've been obsessed with Japan for such a long time. You've been obsessed with Iceland and other and then suddenly you're in Indonesia. Well, those places, they are all volcanic islands. And, and I guess there is something in those places. And it was not a mental construction. It's just like I realized it seems that in those places, the energy is stronger. And there's a greater development of, of a connection or mythological construction or belief, whatever you want to call it, with the invisible. And also a kind of more humble relationship to nature, probably because nature is so powerful that you need to constantly develop a kind relationship with it, which could be called superstitious, <clears throat> that you find in Iceland, even in like a, a European country. Um, but you definitely find it in Japan and where nature is often seen as a gate towards invisible worlds and especially when you go in mountains there, because mountains are considered sacred. Um, and then in Indonesia, I felt the same. There is like, there is a, something extremely vivid. And, and then later on, I, I furthered those research and, and went to meet some uh, Shugendo monks that I did some retreats with in, in Japan. They are, they are like kind of animist monks that, that climb mountains and they consider this very um, a sensual approach. They consider the mountain both like, like a mother and, and a grave um because they said the, the body of the mountain has the shape of a woman also and then when you when you die the mountain is calling you back that's why all the cemeteries are in the mountain in japan also and <clears throat> and then I, I i went further down in okinawa and there the animism is even less uh, official and very secret, but very strong and present. And it's a more a matriarchal um, spiritual system where women are, the, are really the, the top, you know, they are the, they are the priestess and they are, they are the ones that are constantly establishing connection with, with the spirits of the island. So, I mean, I, I felt that, and all this, in relationship with the world, how it has been developed in the last even 10 years and the acceleration of its, like the crisis that we, that, that we live through it. And for me, like I've been always like, you know, I, I did a, a piece in, in um, Australia in 2009 called Black Marrow with Erna Omarzotir. And when we, went, we did this piece that was very much about fossil energy addiction, presented as a kind of a heavy metal concert a little bit. But at the same time, there was, there was this thing of um, mixing eschatological myth, myth of the end of the world, to, to simply 
you know, the, the, the current addiction we have to fossil energy. And I remember at the time people really, it was like 14 years ago, something people really didn't see the relevance of doing that. And I, I feel that unfortunately everything that was, that you could suddenly sense at the time got confirmed so quickly and the piece is still being performed nowadays, which I, I think is a greatest proof that even we had a lot of detractor about this work at the time. I feel that somehow um, the, this, the resonance of what, whatever we were putting our fingers on in more poetic way, of course. But I felt also since then, for example, which was more or less the time we created Babel, I also felt, okay, maybe there's other ways also to there's maybe sometimes more abstract way of uh, of talking about things. So that I think all these things have constantly, continuously influenced my work. But then I always tried also to find <clears throat> maybe more positive ways to say things. So when I say that, it's like more to also highlight the, the um, intricate beauty, even even in in, in some of the aspects of of the crisis we go through now. So. The relationship with rituals and 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 all this—I mean, it's all connected. That's why it's for me so hard to, to speak about every every aspect of my work in, in you know separately because they are all constantly entwined with experience. Mm. Yeah, but I see that. Yeah, I see that really clearly from what you say that it is, that it is in, inherent in all of it, um, and the spirit spirituality or the magic or the, the otherness. And also the occasions, the, the the process or the stories to live by, the nature, also the risk and the danger, and also yeah, the the abstraction. Like let let us think not through language but through something else. It, it it's all there. Um, also, as you say, at the heart of the work is your explicit and named and meaningful collaborations, and the shared inquiries you have with uh, designers and visual artists, as you say, and composers and musicians, as well, of course, as the dancers. Um, so I'd love to talk to you about a couple of the works where we see the collaboration of the forms, you know, really kick in, really flourish, and where the notions of ritual are, are integral. So I'm thinking about Through, the 2016 piece that you made with Jim Hodges, who you've mentioned, um, Vessel, the 27 piece that you made with Nawa Kohei, who you've also mentioned, and Skid, also with Jim Hodges, that you made on the Gothenburg Opera Dance Company. So for those that haven't seen those works, can you describe just the physical setup of them? Because I think it's really important for people to be able to visualise it. So tell me the visual setup, just briefly, of Through. Uh, Through is actually performed on the turning stage. It's a imp completely empty stage. Uh, we even don't use, you know, the, the drapes, and it's it's an open. Usually, it's quite a, a way to show the the stage row, <clears throat> but there's a turning stage, and there's a massive cylinder of six meters long and two meters fifty diameter. The inside of it is is kind of mirrored. It's it's this kind of a silverish mirror mirrorish um, coating, and then the the outside of it has is covered with holes like like you know holes of like probably 15 centimeter diameter and the painting reminds this kind of military camouflage but it could also be 
it was actually inspired by some of those trees that loses their, you know, their skin, <clears throat> especially in the in the place in Germany where we created it. Uh, so that's for true, yeah. So it's a turning stage in a cylinder, and the cylinder can be moved by the dancers. First, it's moved on on this turning stage, like kind of the, you know, the arrow of of a clock, um, or and then and then you have and then but it also can move forwards and backwards mm. like like mm. a kind of a compressing roll or something mm. and it's big just so people understand it's big enough to have the i don't know how many dancers there are like eight dancers inside mm, there 12 12 12, 12, 12 dancers mm. okay mm-hmm. okay so that's one image i'd like people to have in their minds now tell us about vessel so vessel is a flooded stage uh dark completely dark stage the piece starts in two minutes in total obscurity and in the center of it you have a sculpture from Kohei Nawa which reminds different things it's it has a shape a little bit like like I mean we call it the vessel but it's it's it looks a little bit also like a dry something that lava would have formed mm, actually the center is boiling yeah. Um, it's combining with a white, strange white material that is non-Newtonian, so that it reacts to gravity in a different way. And it also could look like a female genital, but at the same time, it's also inspired by by those graves that um, that some emperor in Japan were getting buried on, that were actually literally mountains. You have this tradition in Celtic world like called tumulus, which are um, a kind of a, a man-made construction, but that was all around the body of a person, but that basically mm. the whole grave is like a mountain. Mm. So that's for vessel. And it's the, <laughs> the center is completely white and it has also the, the, the shape of it, like the, it's very round, it's extremely organic and, and the way it's coated on the side looks a bit like those walls, you know, that you that you don't have really some white walls that are not regular the way you project. I don't know how it's called in English. Crepy, you call it in French. Um, <laughs> Actually, like those walls. I know, I can see behind it behind you. I I can't remember what that's called. But <laughs> I bumpy. hope that the description was clear enough. <laughs> yes, it was. Okay, so yeah, you don't you don't make life easy for yourself, do you? Flooded stages, etc. No, um, <laughs> never. And um, and I will include images of all of these in, in the on the website, so people get to see these. Uh, and Skid, tell us about Skid. So another easy one. Skid is a a ten on ten a ten square meter uh, platform, a white platform that is just inclinated thirty four degree angle. So it's very um, steep, um, goes up above six meters high or something. Um, when we created originally, this platform was falling directly into the orchestra pit, uh, <laughs> allowing the first row to have to see the dancers disappear in another day. That sounds fun. And uh, there's only two entrances. There's down and up, basically. Um, so. Yeah. The dancers that most of the time the dancers appear from above, but they also can appear from down. But there's no yeah. side exit, and uh, at least it never happened. Thank God it didn't, because that would be quite dangerous. But I, I <laughs> yeah. So that's the setting of it. It's quite simple, quite very frontal, very kind of. Um, I, so yeah, it's you. You are, look at the the piece more on a vertical way than on an horizontal one. Yeah, yeah. It's like hovering above. 
um, kind of. Um, okay, so those are the images, and they're, I mean, they're extraordinary, and they're stark, and they are complete. Um, and you seem to be finding the parameters of the physical setup, finding the boundaries, and then setting to work exploring what can happen within that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? Do you mm-hmm. start, well, so my question is, do you start with an idea for content and then evolve the form? Or do you start with the idea for the form and then evolve the content? Um, it depends for which work. Um, mm. But usually it's never start from just a formal point of view, like I never actually. Um, I. It's always come through long conversations. Um, I mean, what's important to say is through and skid are both the set are both created by Jim Hodges and for Vessel they are created by Kohenawa. Um I mean for through it's it's been which was yeah this, this the first of these three pieces. Um yeah, I mean the, the departure point was this rit- a ritual. Um and was actually the same for Skid. And it was both connected to the same ritual. Um they are Actually, both of them connected to a ritual called Yambashira, um, which is happening every six years on, in the Alps in, in Japan, in a region of Nagano. It's a place called Suwa. And basically, uh, this ritual is in order to replace the four protective pillars of the four temples of the regions that are all around the lake. And in this ritual, basically, you see hundreds of men and women Cutting, they cut 16 trees, four for each temples. And the way to kind of, I don't know, I call this energy sanctuary, like to, to prepare those trees, it's like you literally ride them as these trees go down the hill. So basically, you have hundreds of people hooking themselves on those trees. It's like a tree rodeo, frankly. Um, and the, the slope is very steep. And basically, it happens every six years. And there's always people dying. It's one of the most dangerous rituals in the world. Mm-hmm. It's extremely powerful to watch. You can see this also. You could also put some links on this on, on, on your website mm-hmm. as well, since it's actually extremely impactful. Um, it's, again, it's a ritual that's, basically orchestrated by gravity in a way it's gravity acting on those trees and 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 it's extremely impressive how the bodies are like you know being expelled from those trees um and and how visceral it is and Mm. how um and i see it as a very strong metaphor of us holding on to life um and Mm. and uh trying to stay as long as we can despite the bombs and, and the violence of it sometimes. And, and I, mm. I, I see it also like an incredible connection, like acknowledgement of our connection to nature and to this planet, frankly, um, by feeling its gravity pull um, and also one by hooking to one of the things we hardly rely on is plants. Um, and I, I, I don't know from, I got this, it's Ruchi Sakamoto, the composer who introduced me to it. It's actually quite unknown for something so spectacular. When I saw it, I immediately knew that there was something I wanted to mm. explore about it. And 
actually made two piece. Uh, not because I, I didn't intend to do two piece from the start. Um, I, I started talking with it with Jim. Uh, it was in September 2015. Um, actually, really increasing on on the sense of danger I wanted the, mm. the piece to have, and and mm. and how. And he came with this really brilliant idea because I said, "Why don't we have a cylinder that the dancer hook themselves on, and the cylinder can be manipulated forward and backward, and it should be quite big." And so at the beginning, it was very much about the tree mm. um and the outside of it um and i don't know i mean for me it's always it's a piece we have only performed four times but we're restaging it this year and they finally mm. gonna be presented together through Anne's kid uh, from may on and that's something i always dreamt about but i mm. could never manage to to make happen uh, and it's happening now with ballet of geneva that that been incredible, supportive, and and construct also this turning stage. And hmm. for me, it's really hard to speak about this piece because it's like if we start with this one, um, I always know that I have to somehow take pinches when I speak about it because I <clears throat> basically in, in November uh, of the same year um, something happened. That, that greatly changed my perspective on everything and that even um, made me consider to, for a short while, to stop creating. Thank God it didn't last long, but it was traumatic. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very dramatic, but I mean, it's, it is, it, it definitely was. Um, it's like I found myself <clears throat> probably less than three meters next to one of the terrorist on the on on one of these events in in the cafe in la belle equipe in paris and i don't know how um by being that close i managed to not even record it, the image of basically i mean a lot of people lost their life in this mm. in this moment and i think i owe my basically the fact of still being there by having um, uh, had, having had the time to reflect to run before I kind of understood really what was mm. happening mm. Um, but I kept on on going back to this moment as something that gave me such an un, like uh, that still now had give me a certain unrest of course uh, and that greatly shifted my perception of humans in general yeah. but in both in both ways because I, I guess um, the worst brings the best of people also. So there's, um, there's been an inc incredible meetings that, that, that also that I, you know, uh, that mean when I understood that some people use themselves as, as, as a shield to protect the people they loved and stuff and that, that mm -hmm. made me, you know, is in those, even this balance that gets created. So I, I, I created the piece uh, after one week. Um, so the, the piece, maybe this tree was not anymore a tree. And I, I, I was a bit in a, in a time where I, I consider canceling the creation of the show. Because I guess for one month, the only thing I could do was to stare the ceiling. And mm. But then I thought, okay, well, wait, there's definitely something that I cannot let go about mm. uh, about you know about all this because then that would be 
giving up to something that the that the people who perpetuated this probably wanted to because mm. and I felt like okay maybe just let's shift it around and, and, and maybe rather than pretend that this didn't happen, maybe I could integrate this experience in the work and, and let's see, it's probably not gonna be easy, but actually I don't even have a choice. I, nah. it's either I don't do it, either either I talk about it. But I, I cannot at this stage there's nothing that wants the, the, the shock was too big. There was nothing I could do. Um, I was definitely not going into a mode of 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 distract my trying to distract myself from it. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't want to, uh, you know, make people feel even. I mean, it was a very heavy time, and and I guess I mean it still is, but in a different way. But I I, I felt that I I just wanted to probably use this piece as a way to express something I really had a hard time because of course I would see some specialists and stuff but I felt I, w- I had a very hard time to articulate ver- verbally uh, yeah. what yeah. I had you know so in the, ch- in the chest because it was really in the chest so mm-hmm. there was a real physical feeling about it it was really uh, the area of the lungs of something that just compressed your chest and I, I felt there's something I need to manage to let go and I think I, when I finished through I realized that there's a lot of things I realized about the processing of, of creation how when you start you don't quite know what you want to say exactly but making a creation is the only way to figure out what it is and then when mm-hmm. when it comes out it, it's like your unconscious teaches your, your subconscious teaches your conscious mm. self, and and from there on you can move on because you realize certain things. And I mean, there's been and sorry to start with such heavy things, but mm-hmm. for me talking about through, I cannot. I always need to go through this actually. Mm. <clears throat> um, after one week of the creation, um, Brussels attacks happened and basically the, the metro station that where someone made himself explode is the one where I next to where I live basically like 200 meters from the house of my parents who still live there hmm. and my brother who's a fireman is the one who evacuated the station um, so he got confronted with I got confronted to the beginning he got confronted to the aftermath of something like this and I remember that at the time I I, I brought with me a huge mood board we did this in Germany uh, in Wiesbaden and there was like with the dancers I said like listen I I, <clears throat> I need to find ways to do something with this event and I I'm, thank you for bearing up with me because I'd mm. probably it's going to be a moment that's probably going to be difficult, but I, I just feel, uh, and actually talking about dance, this piece is probably one of the most, has the most theatrical aspect of it, although mm. it's quite abstract, but there is still the dancers are more like characters in a way. Um, but I, I, yeah, I remember that I, I would come with a lot of pictures. We came with Emilio Sarapoglu, who's following me in all this, crazy adventure but he's we we came with um with images of uh, people walking in tunnels and for me the the that's also what, from this moment the cylinder was not anymore just a tree it was a tunnel and i was also for me it, it had a connection with with the timing of things and the angle of things because i'm very aware that also the 
the person that holds the Kalashnikov in front of me uh, at one point changed his angle and I stood 19 degree angle next to him and I knew that he has shot next to me because there was impact of bullets at the, in front of the window where I stood. So that I knew that the, that this movement of 90 degree was done. So I want one, I felt it's the luck you have comes from is this notion of time and space and timing that three seconds later, half a second later could be too late. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on in which angle you are also. Mm -hmm. So this idea, th there was one late motif in truth, if you don't move, you die basically. And mm -hmm. that's, that's, that was really uh, where I was at that, that moment, a little bit like a rabbit that is caught into into you know the light of a car and that would get petrified but then if you are getting petrified that's you really gonna stop moving so there is there is um all this was i mean even just you know talking about it fully bring mm. me back into the adrenaline of that moment but i i, see. I, I just i just felt that Basically, what was really interesting is that there was there was all these photographs of people walking in tunnels, and then one week after we start working on this creation, the front page of the, all the newspaper where people walking in tunnel, they were just escaping um, the metro station, mm. which was probably the most, which is she is the most uh, familiar metro station for me in the world because I waited for thousands of metro there, and and. Um, and talking with my brother, it was really interesting because I I remember that um, it was only when we were doing the tech of this um, of this piece. It's that's when it clicked for me when I understood um, what what it was basically talking about. And I think you say when when someone dies, you say rest in peace. And I was like, but how do you rest in peace hmm. if you leave the world like that? So. Hmm. I guess for me, the, the whole function of this piece was to try to put my own soul at peace with it. Mm. Um, but I, there was also this feeling that at the end, you have a kind of a, a figure that is like, it's kind of, um, it's a dancer that is covered by basically a costume that existed before from Jean-Paul, the set designer, which is a kind of a, a cape like someone it's 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 like you know these ponchos like you with a hat with mm -hmm. a and then doesn't really have a shape but it was made of the survival uh fabric and we had the dancers that were walking in it but you the the, the place where the head is it was empty and basically the, the dancers were lying on the floor and she, this ghost was somehow appearing from the silver tunnel and then absorbing them in the center and then we had this last moment kind of a we call it the vacuum where it looks a little bit like Da Vinci, the Trivian man, uh, with one mm -hmm. dancer in front, and then mm -hmm. the, the, uh, all the other dancers are behind, and they do circular movement that looks like an elise, like an, uh, you know, like those ventilators, like those things when you, you, like a fan, turn, like yeah. a fan basically. Um, and I just, ah, okay, it's like, it's, it's, it's a passage there, there yeah. it's just a way for them to, to, you know, to pass through, and, and, that for me, then I understood that um, that was the function of this of this yeah. ritual was to let the, the soul pass, and I, and 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 to find a certain peace. It was it was on a song of Nina Simone that was listening on the loop. That your music is the only thing that can sometimes heal you, and I think I was I was listening on the loop to this song called "Who Knows Where the Time Goes." Uh, 
and it was remixed like in very subliminal way with finesse and there was this very peaceful ending where with and it's also a symbol of humanism uh that shaped like whole mm. the, the european thinking and i and i so then for me that was a way and i think for me it's been amazing because doing doing this work and even just if it got only performed four times really helped me to move on um, yeah. because it, it it the fact of being able to articulate something and to use my medium and my creativity to do so was actually um, extremely yeah it, it's something that really helped me to move on to other projects and it doesn't mean that it, it erased things because I no. never want to erase because it's also this idea that if you're the witness of something like this you also have the responsibility of of being the witness of that and 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 that comes with uh when this story could eventually be altered to be there to remind that it's like that that it happened at least what you've seen mm. so that's it it's for me very exciting to think that we're going to restage this i'm also very nervous about it because i had like a, a, opening a box that you have left yeah, I imagine. Uh, for s- more than six years what's interesting is we created that piece exactly at the moment of the ambashira so that was no it's the ambashira happened every six years and it was by coincidence like in may 2022 and this year is the this year i transmitted for the same company we transmitted skid so some dancer that dance and there's in particular one dancer that is from this area of Japan wow. dance both piece um and wow. and for me it was it was great to mm-hmm. to close the loop like that because we created mm-hmm. skid uh, with another company one year later with Gothenburg dance company yeah. but for me they are they are related to the same ritual even though uh, skid is a little bit more has is also existential in a way but it has a little bit less uh, adrenaline about it for me it's a more peaceful and contemplative and meditative work so that kind of was the next step for me after after through and i don't know if i did i yeah i did work because the vessel happened in between so there, there was mm. it was a time where a lot of things needed to come out of me uh and that's why I, I I don't actually from doing absolutely think considering doing absolutely nothing I did the most I could do, and I have the feeling I did it with with a way that was like a, an appetite that was just it was a way to only way for me to kind of try to attempt to change a certain kind of energy yeah, to process so, it. Mm. Yeah, thank you for opening that box. Um, and yeah, it's you know, it's it's clear and it's interesting, isn't it? How uh, art is how artists do their thinking and their processing mm-hmm. and their healing. And you may not want to, but it's probably going to come out anyway. So, you know, the conscious choice to do that. And it's also really interesting how, you know, an ex- extraordinarily traumatic real world events, unexpected to say the least can find an alignment and can find a, a home in interest that you've had your whole life mm-hmm. um and that you know i don't mean that they you know that it was meant to be or something but it but it is a it is a lovely example of how an artist can process the unexpected within their own practice and you know frankly create some really great work which isn't an easy process for you but it's what you're for. <laughs> I mean, I felt extremely um, blessed to 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 feel that I had this capacity to at least yeah. 
uh, tried to, you know, it was like a catharsis. But it's when I really understood, I really understood what, because usually I, my work is often very liminal. It explores, uh, I mean, the notion of life and death is obviously always extremely present. And I always love to consider dancers as ghosts when they start performing in that sense. I'm mm-hmm. very influenced by no theater and actually through was also inspired by this because in no theater there's a bridge that that the performers like the dancers put the mask and and it's really literally like spirits coming from the other side of the river to come and tell their stories and and for me that was very much what was through was about and i also realized later those, those dancers are like ghosts coming telling us uh trying to to passing again and again through that tool that through that even mm. and it's maybe a, a ghost of a, a part of me is also like a, a part of, of me probably i mean for sure also died there as well and mm. so you know, um it's mm. also because of that you know i mean i don't want to sound too heavy about that but it's it for sure uh, and I, but i think you have this in most of the events you go you can go through this but you keep on changing and some this this part of yourself that that at one point are no longer there, and I and I, mm. I kind of feel that you do this basically on every single piece. You at one point canalize something that you are obsessed with or that you are living through, and then and then you a piece is probably the 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 part where you you let that moment, you know, you concretize it. You and then it's at one point it's part of your past and. It's, you can move on from there. So it's like skins, you know, that you a bit like insects, yeah. you know, when they leave they leave certain skins and it's still the shape of, of them, but they're no longer there. So they become like a it's, it's very ghostly in a way. Um Yeah. And the each show is a, sh- a shedding of a skin really and you I, I definitely travel think through. so. And I use that element of skin a lot actually in, in, in many pieces. And probably in the next one which we worked a lot on this concept of membrane with Kohei. Um, so it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's interesting that you can never really premeditated what you, for me, in that my case, I know I have, when I start the creation, I always know what I want to explore, but I don't know how it's going to look at the end and, and eventually, uh, what logic and how it, cause it needs, you need to connect to your intuition and to kind of, um, because also you don't do it alone. You do it with a lot of people. And that's for me, I always, each work is a way to collaborate with artists that, you know, that, uh, and, and, and what I try to do is to fuse all of the practice, to fuse the dancers, uh, and, and therefore you, you create something that is bigger than the sum of all parts, you know, and, and in, in that sense, it's a collective subconscious experience in a way, because you, you, it's never just also my own, uh, my own point of view it's always um the point of view of a lot of people like in through the work of jim carlos fenez jean paul emilios they, they just they just uh gave so much also each of them through it so that, then i'm in all the dancers so um, that's an aspect that i really love about creating is that sometimes you you put yourself a lot of pressure but you're like well it's not just about me actually it's it's about creating together something that, that feels I'm always trying to feel that everybody stays engaged till the end. I'm not saying that this is happening every time, but I, I, 
I feel that it has to be a transformative experience for everybody, the dancers especially. And eventually, if it is for us, then it could eventually have the potential to be for an audience. But yeah. this is too far fetched. Like it's like you you uh, you can't even go there when you're in the you don't in go process there yet. of yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's really interesting how the. Um, the whole process has to be intuitive and there has to be the sense of not knowing yet mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. what it is you are doing, but but listening carefully to yourself and to the to the room and the people and the ideas and the objects. Um, and as you say, that, that intuition and that collaboration then it becomes bigger than the sum of its parts. Um, but there's so much going on there, you know, because you want to want it to be transformative for the performers and the collaborators and for you. And it's such a, and yet it's such an unknowing process. You can't articulate it at the time in the mm. way you can now, of course. For me, exactly. I see it always like you're going into a dark room. You don't know where yeah. the rupture is. You don't know where the light is, but you somehow always try to sense where it is and yeah. you bring a lot of people with you. And and yeah, when you're lucky at one point, you get to a place where ah, you, you didn't know. Uh, and, yeah. and this is always the greatest feeling. Feel ah, oh, here it is. Because it's yeah. Because it's it's still when you when you make a creation is the idea of of going into a place you haven't been before, and that's what's scary. Um, mm. And that's why I think it's always so scary to start a show because you mm. also in dance, unlike theater and stuff, we don't have a script that already tells us words like for me in theater because I'm coming from theater I know that when you have a script it's a little bit like having a map you know that this is the last word we're going to say we're going to go through this journey it's already been written when you do dance work it's you have to draw the map yourself and mm. and and uh and tune everybody to it so that it's a little bit more um for having the experience of of theaters and having done many things, there's many so much thing work there is in theater as well. I don't, I don't mm. want but it's it's no, incredibly, it's not, it's not easy at all. But it's it's there is this thing in in dance that sometimes feel really oh, really really open, and therefore mm. that's probably why I love to work with limits, mm. um, because it frames the possibilities that's my script actually to work yeah. with a designer or something someone that will already define the space close it and and allow to you know to to close like out of this out of the to frame it so that we can find infinity through that frame but otherwise it's too open but you know, mm-hmm. I still think that I'm if I don't have it with a set design I will do it with a score or with the rhythmic yeah, or like with things, but I always feel I need to always frame to start with a frame, and that's probably uh, what the research. That's why when we did skid, the frame was that 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 you know that platform, and literally like a frame that looks nearly vertical, and uh, and then gravity was so is so strong on this that even if you put a T-shirt, it just vanishes, it just slides. So. That that was a departure point, and it mm. was even more than being a formal idea. That was just basically a, really like a physical law uh, yeah. restriction. Yeah. So it won't surprise you to uh, hear that I'm interested in the in how you find the dramaturgy within mm-hmm. this place of intuition, this place of exploration. Of course, there are these limitations that you're you know bumping up against. 
But how, where and how do you find the dramaturgies? So, you know, how is it held? How is it propelled through time? What is the lens? Mm -hmm. How do we find ourselves changed? Because, uh, you, you know, for, with the examples you've given and the, you know, awful events that you've been through, you, you didn't take the dramaturgy of that and, and, you know, place it onto the piece. It's really, it's, it's mm. of that, but it's quite different to that. So mm -hmm. uh, how do you find, I guess I mean this quite practically, how, how do you decide on your dramaturgies and your structures in the room? Um, you know, you've got all your lovely ideas and all your lovely scenes. How, how do you find the flow? And is that a collaborative uh, decision-making process too, or is that you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always, I guess it's also again very different from one project to the other. Um, I always love this niche quote, dance dance first, think after. That's the natural order. And I, I, I it's never that easy because in a way you start by a lot of thinking about what you want to first, what, what do you want to say, what do you want to go? Um, that leads you to define a frame. <clears throat> and out of that frame, you can have plenty of mental ideas of how you think that's going to work. Reality is always going to hit you back there and just uh, a lot of the things you, th you thought would be great don't work. And that's always interesting and therefore to put a group of people in relationship to it because then you see how basically how life reacts to it. And, and, uh, and so it's always... Um, you actually, there's a moment when you just have to be in observation and in exploration. So in every project, I'm, I'm also want to let uh, the dancers take over and just and just come react with whatever frame I bring them into, and and that's super always super interesting because sometimes they come up with things you haven't think about and that suddenly uh, and they bring their life into it so this deep sometimes can make you move away from your first axis but if your axis is solid enough it should be flexible enough to also uh, be deplaced enough. you you can move that axis on, on another mm -hmm. place but um and i i i guess it's again there's a follow intuition for me is never just instinct it's it's like a between between instinct and rationality so Mm. there is always your mind that's still being triggered by whatever you witness and I, I usually observe and then I, I try to to start imagining it's like pieces of puzzle basically that you have and you you basically try to create an emotional arc that that has a clear beginning and, 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 and ending basically when you have the polarity of the, you know how it starts and you know how it's going to finish you already have I usually try to look for those two things yeah okay. first um, in, in sometimes the piece would not let you understand what's going to be the end until until you have it and but I'm I'm I always love to um at least I always need to have a clear departure point so that I yeah. that I know okay how do we start this what is the first step what is the first word um but but I, at the same time again like there's no formulas because when I did vessel we created first the second part of the show 
uh, uh, in 2015. And then in 2016, when we wanted to do the thing, we just created the first 30 minutes. So, you know, again, there's no, there's no real rules. Um, with, with, it's also depending on the contribution of who works with you. For example, with Scale, I knew that Jean-Paul came with this, we came up with this protective second skin that would be wrapped around the dancers. And I was like, yeah, I think it's great. But if it's just an aesthetical thing, I'm not interested. Yeah. And then we realized it was so flexible. It could be so poor that it would suddenly start looking like a cocoon. And I was like, oh, why don't we have it at the end transforming into this so that, that at one point it, it's, it's also like, you know, it brings you back to birth and to how when you are as mammals, you, you spend a, a, a a big amount of time in the belly of your of your mother, and then mm-hmm. for some animals, the first thing they're gonna experience is a fall, and then they will have to stand up immediately on the first day, otherwise they don't survive. So there's this very Bambi effect first relationship mm-hmm. with gravity, where the body just meets gravity, and and you understand that all the the the, the hardness of that force when you don't know about it, and so. We wanted the, the costume took actually hanging from there. There was this moment of suspension and of transformation again, like a skin that you peel off, and then the nakedness of the body on that slope. And, and mm. it's extremely hard to stand, especially after the show, because it's full of sweat and yeah. so it becomes <laughs> so slippery. So it becomes a real performing act to try to rise up on, on bare, like completely naked on this. And the vulnerability of the body at that moment is is something I feel after all this heroic power of resistance. And I felt it was the most um, personal um, and, and moving end we could find for something like this. So again, it comes up with the collaboration with the people involved yeah. and, and the possibilities of the set, what the, the technical aspect of it, because sometimes a show is the order of a show is dictated, especially when you work with these complex sets. Like in my last piece, Planet, that I did with, with Kohei, like we knew we, we literally finished with a, a, a rain of slime that, that falls on four, from 14 meters, like a rain in slow motion and that transforms the dancers. There's nothing you can do after it. Yeah. The stage is a mess. The dancers are completely... So you know that this is going to be the end of the show because yeah. there's just basically no other options. So I, I sometimes there is a lot of, of the, the piece is also dictated by your ideas and, and, and by the technicality of it. So there again, I, I mean, in the in the order of things, I'm, I'm constantly challenging as the process is going. I always fear to go too quickly in placing the order into things. Mm. But I always feel, I mean, the temporality is very important, like the timing of things, because I feel what I'm trying to do is to, and more and more in the work I've done, I, I'd rather to explore one idea and to push it and push it, and yeah, push it and until we, we explore all of its possibilities. And then we have to understand in which state are we when we explore that, because then it already dictates that, that you can't, for example, if, it's, if you make people run for 20 minutes at one point, they just cannot anymore. That's, for example, for kites, it's like, it's a lot of, of crazy patterns, like they, they run with all these mathema- mathematical patterns for 20 minutes at one point the level of exhaustion is so that there's nothing else than creating something that mm. is very static, for example. Mm-hmm. So time um, for still scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, but that's, the thing is, like, again, it's, it's, um, 
I, I, I'm always trying to balance that it's never just a mental construction. So it's never just something that comes from logic, uh, like at least, um, you know, something that would just come from, from uh, consciousness. Like what I'm interested when I work on the piece is also to, to explore and to let things emerge. So I, I, I love to, to once, once you feel and you are really truthful to the feeling it gives you, you, you can already start guessing where, where it would lead you after that, even though probably what I try to do in every piece is to create things where you never, uh, you can never know what's going to come after. Mm. Uh, Mm. This is the, the sense of surprise and, and to mm. usually actually if you go so much into something to make a complete u-turn is usually quite interesting because yeah. then um how can you deconstruct what you've been pushing to the to the to the extreme so i it really really depends and yeah. I, I cannot speak for for each project i would say it's it's a different method and and uh and some piece need need uh, dramaturgical help and some others like already because i work with so many artists they come up with their very strong uh opinions if i work with Corey or jim they they will they will be already coming with so much uh uh input and so much of their obsession and you need to do you know there is this we need to say that (laughs) so i i also try to negotiate with all of this so sure Okay, we're running out of time, and so we don't have enough time to do justice to the next question. But just briefly, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you um, uh, about the work you're doing on film and screen. Mm-hmm. So you're choreographing for some quite high-profile movies, uh, dance videos, etc. Uh, sorry, music videos. Um, just really briefly, how is that for you? It's it's interesting because I guess it's quite different to everything you're talking mm-hmm. about in terms of liveness and risk and you know these mm-hmm. lovely long processes you get to to find the to find the work. But yeah, are, are you enjoying it and um, what does it give you? Well, for me, cinema was always. I mean, I'm, I always love to to pay homage to what really builded me as also as an as an artist. Like I, I especially you know, I mean, I I love I love cinema since very young age and and when suddenly cinema some director asked me to collaborate with them what i love about this is the fact first of all you change you you break a lot of of you know uh spells that you have when you could doing choreographies because i feel that even after doing like being more than 20 nearly 25 years in this field um the ephemeral aspect of dance is, is is when you even compare it to all the other mediums where a writer would write a book and this book will just still be in your shelf like 100 years later if you want yeah. a film or sculpture that's something you see some sculptures that have been created 13,000 years ago um dance is really hard to to it, it exists still in the memory of whoever witnessed it but even you know, even that gets altered, and of course, and so sometimes I was wondering, well, what's left of of this piece we did 13 years ago? Like, what, what do people still remember it? Is it still something they think about, or completely forgot about it, or is there a way also, like, beside some captures, like you know, some film that filmed it, but that are people really watching this, or beside mm. some specialists? So for me, working with film and to infiltrate 
dance and especially because it got proposed to me the first time on Suspiria from Luca Guadagnino um, that I watched again yesterday because they screened it uh, part of this portrait I'm doing here in Mulhouse and I watched mm -hmm. that four years after it was released for the first time and it was crazy for me to see oh my god we because we have changed already it's because we shot this six years ago so it's already right. and you know any film happens in the 70s so this and it already talks about the period of before the war so this um there there is this feeling that and then when they dance the main uh piece i'm like oh, it feels like i'm watching it live again and i feel um it's still i don't have to do nothing but it's still there and it <laughs> and i know that you can still see it everywhere in the world at any time if you want and somehow whatever will survive of, of all of, mm -hmm. if we will survive but there is this idea that at one point you feel that something has been captured and exists as mm -hmm. a first-hand experience and i i also love the fact that we filmed that something we explore when we did anima with Paul thomas anderson this idea that I could then choreograph from a moving standpoint and that you, especially working with Paul Thomas is, is really exciting, but also very scary because he, he doesn't really edit. He's making very long take where all the dancers enter and exit and where the main dancers are not dancers. <laughs> and, and, I, and I feel that when we constructed this, I felt, oh my God, there's just no place to hide. It's just like you literally, what we shot is what it is. And and like in the position of, for example, Suspira, where you can save a lot of things through through editing in this in this way of working, it's just it likes long stake of like three minutes mm. or something. So mm. you you are working with a very different, but you can work with the idea of with the intimacy by being very close to the dancers that you and uh, a point of view can never really have in a theater and mm. also from a moving standpoint so you can read the movement differently the camera is moving as well mm. so for me choreographing like this gives new possibility but i also just love everything about building a film and and choosing all this because when you make a show you do this every day you, you're tuning all the elements of the light of the thing and now the sound just for an experience that's going to be experienced one day. And then the next day you have to do everything again. With the film, you have to work really, really hard to make that movement that that, that happen, all these fusing aspects to happen once. Mm. And you really hunt for that different discipline. all the things happen together. And so it brings you in a very different state of, of, and also what you have to know is that once you've done it, it will not move. That will be yeah. it. And you a piece, you can always rework it. You can always... <laughs> make it grow evolve it's 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 an alive organism with the film it's alive but it's in a way but it's also just taken and that's it and it will always be that and i i i feel anybody that works on film when you go to shoot on a day in the morning you know that whatever you're going to do that day is going to be print forever and they're going to be accessible everywhere anytime so there's something kind of a it's exciting but it's also terrifying mm. at the same time mm. <laughs> also feel you have to be you have to make decisions really quick and 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 when i was working on suspiria i would have tilda swinton wanting to change the script just before the take and telling me because she she was playing the choreographer in the film so she wanted that whatever she says feels very connected to whatever I would have made with the dancers. She said, Damien, can, can I, what could we say there? And, and what could I say? And then you have to come up with something that you know, uh, you know, will just 
be there. <laughs> it's like you, you, and and Aristotle yesterday, and I was, oh yeah, she. I remember when she asked me the thing, and then it's it's still there. You know what I mean? And it's, and and I I just really I love this uh, sense of of creative the the the, the fa- facing the wall kind of feeling yeah. it gives you when you only it puts you into high adrenaline. But it's also super nice to feel that some you don't have to put the effort anymore on the work for it to continue existing. Yeah. So I'm I'm really. Um, yeah, I love I love all that, and I love um, and and I love I love it as a complementarity of other works. Like I mean, I've I, I've done Mist with NDT, which is something that, that was like uh, also my first experience as a as someone as a film director, and and for me that was also really exciting to to work with uh, um, together with Rai Razvani on 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 building a piece from a different point of view. And so I, I, yeah, I really like it. I think I'm, I'm going to work now with Jacques Villar on his next film. It's going to be shot in Mexico. And, you know, it's it's also big profile actors and, and you have, uh, it's a crazy story, completely crazy story. And it's extremely challenging and whatever we're going to, you know, how we're going to have to approach it. And he's also a director that keeps on, on changing, can completely change his mind from, one moment to another week just to <laughs> and ask you to just move really quickly with and and I, I kind of like what it wakes up in you when you are in those in yeah. those like it puts you in your uh in in this super challenging mode where but where you often discover things because yeah you... again there's real risk and, and real danger for you mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice to see how the skills you develop in one context feed the other and and vice versa i guess perhaps i mean for, for example it's, anima it's there was like there was really like we, we literally took part of skid that that tom learned tom york learning like in like three hours before we shot and and it's it's it was great like i felt yeah. like okay and also to feel that he's been captured by these incredible uh, cinematographer and director and that the work can therefore exist and, and be accessible to to way more people than anybody that would come and see a show yeah, I feel it's nice, always huh? exciting I, I think it's yeah. also important for dance to break up a, a little bit the boundaries and to especially because I think dance has this faculty contemporary dance has this faculty to converse with all the other mediums mm. and and to really expand the experience to people that would have not really access to it at first hand so I just I love all these experiences especially if they really give you complete freedom like it was the case for Suspiria or Anima or, or even working with Madonna had also this, this feeling because we did this theater show and she really wanted to create things that, that gets a little bit out of the box mm. of these concerts uh, you know, I've always people. thought that dance could ought to transmit more into into other media and and here it is and um, there you are um damian we are out of time it is an enormous pleasure to to hear you thank you so much for sharing you, your processes and your experiences and thank you for giving us your time today good luck with it all with great pleasure thank you Well, that's it for this episode of Downtime. I hope you enjoyed it. Do listen to the other episodes of both seasons one and two with lots of brilliant artists and arts leaders. And for more information about me, my work, 
the courses I run and the artists and organizations I work with all through COAD, the Center of Applied Dramaturgy, go to www.thecoad.org. Thanks for listening. May you be lucky and well enough to have a little inspired downtime of your own. <laughs>